Welcome to the Soul Forge, a place of silent mystery, quiet contemplation, and outright mayhem. Join your host, Sean Vanderloo, as he guides you through the adventures of living. Together, we'll talk about life and love, sex and dating, joy and heartache, memories and loss, and so much more. Don't worry, it's not nearly as pretentious as it sounds. Get ready for life, the universe, and everything on The Soul Forge. and welcome to episode 36 of the Soul Forge podcast. I am your host, Sean Vanderloo, and with me today, I'm going to have a special guest from my past, from my future, from my present. It's my brother, Robin, who hosts, co-hosts the Space Jam podcast with his good buddy, Wit. I was trying to think of a good conversation for episode 36, something a little bit lighter than uh, my uncle being a hoarder or somebody dying or something like that. And I said, hey, brother, how would you like to be an ep uh, a guest on the next episode? And he's like, brother, you're my favorite. I would love to be a co-host or a guest on your show. Isn't that right, Robin? That is exactly the words I used. I, uh. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not putting any words into your mouth at all. No, not at all. And uh, no, you brought you brought up uh, what should uh, the topic be, and I came up with, why don't we talk talk about traumatic childhood experiences? Because that's fun. Because that's fun, and uh, I have a lot. So I figured I could uh, I could share and maybe use this as a uh, somewhat as a uh, maybe a little therapy session. Well, that's what the whole Soul Forge is about. It's, exactly. a, it, it's about uh, self-therapy for me. It's about sharing experiences that are uncomfortable with an audience that may be afraid to talk about these kinds of things themselves or have never heard other people talk about them. So it's all about sharing because sharing is caring. Sharing is caring. And I have to say, because I've listened to not every episode of The Soul Forge, but pretty damn close to all of them. And... In a lot of ways, me and you are very similar. We have a lot of the same habits, tendencies, uh, quirky personality traits, and it's almost like if everyone's listening to you and your stories, it's uh, it's very similar to me in a lot of ways too. I feel like we they they get to know us very well, very intimately by listening to the Soul Forge. I, I and like, you're going to learn a little bit more, I guess, uh, with this episode. So I, I, I like it. I like it. So where should we begin? Well, the year was 1992. And uh, <laughs> no, I, I, honestly, I don't even remember what the year was. Um, I don't know. Where do you want to begin? Uh, well, let's let's start with uh, the fact I was born in 1976. You were born in 1986. We share a mother, but we do not share a father. That's right. I think I've talked about your dad on the podcast before, how he went by the nickname of Cannon, and he thought he was that's, a biker. That's right, and then, which always makes me laugh when you say it that way. <laughs> <laughs> right, because he, he was a very uh, interesting individual. Yeah, you could say that. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. And I mean, I didn't have a uh, great relationship with him either. Yeah, 
I, I don't think anybody really did. Um, no. Have Have I mentioned on the podcast how when I was like 12 and 13, I used to have to dress up and be the model for the strippers outfits? <laughs> I don't think so, no. Do you, do you remember this? You might, have been, uh, you might have been too young. Yeah, I've probably been too young. I, I think I remember you guys talking about it or something, but I don't have any vivid memory of it. Well, <laughs> obviously. Obviously, but uh, unfortunately for me, I have very vivid memories uh, <laughs> because I, I guess at uh, at that age, I was uh, the same size as, you know, a stripping lady, uh, an exotic <laughs> dancer, whatever you want to call them. And uh, he, he didn't have like a, um, I, I don't know, like a, a mannequin or whatever. And, and so I would have to wear the leather and chain outfits because he needed to get the adjustments just right. And so I got to wear these things as he put the studs in and the chains and whatever else he did to them. And and so that was uh, that was horrifying. Well, that explains your broken psyche right there. Doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, no, well, I mean, it might, it might have, uh, you know, something in part to do with it, you know? You never know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, my... Uh, one of the first memories that I remember, I was getting off the bus uh, at lunchtime because I was in JK or SK or whatever the case was. So I only went to school for the morning and would then uh, come home for the afternoon. And this particular day, Cannon was supposed to meet me at the bus stop and bring me home where we lived in Terry Fox Place. And... I got off the bus and I stood there and he wasn't there. And uh, our mom was, I believe she was off to at school or she was working, but she wasn't able to get me off the bus. You were in school, obviously, as was uh, our other brother, Curtis. And uh, so I was, you know, standing there, lost, confused, didn't have a key to the apartment. So I couldn't, you know, bring myself there. And the bus driver had let you off and drove away? Yeah. Wow. Because, you know, this was the early 90s and uh, we didn't care so much back then. Safety was not a concern. Safety wasn't, yeah, as big, I guess. And, you know, I got off the bus knowing, I guess, full well, not seeing anybody there for me, but obviously not paying attention either. But the thing was, I got off the bus and I stood there and I probably stood there maybe about two or three minutes, just kind of standing in circles and walking around in circles. At the time, there was a a public school, MJ Gacy, was still operational. Right, that was my school. That was your school. And uh, I think you had a – I don't know if you were in that school or not at the time, but I know Curtis was. Okay. And it was – yeah, like I said, so it was was lunchtime. And so I walked into that school, and I found Curtis's classroom, and I found him. And I kind of just went and was like, hi, uh, <laughs> and, and kind of just sprung it as a surprise. And uh, then he had to give me a piece of his pizza. And I don't think he was very happy about that. No. But uh, <laughs> So eventually uh, somebody came and got me and I was able to go home. But I mean, it was just one of those. It was one of the first in- instances that I can remember that, uh, you know, Aband- he, uh, yes, exactly. You know, I don't, I don't know, I don't know if I've ever heard of that story. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a doozy. It's not, uh, it's not nearly as bad as the Trout Lake story, which I will tell in uh, a few moments. But that was, that was probably the beginning, I would say. 
Okay, okay. I, I've also been abandoned by Canon in the past, where he would uh, he, he take me for a van ride and then leave me in the van while he would go into his friend's house and smoke the drugs. Yeah, see, that happened to me on many occasions as well. I believe it. And obviously, I didn't know what he was doing because nope. I was way too young, but we Same. would be on our travels and he would say, oh, I got to make a stop. And then we would go somewhere and we would park and he'd park the truck or the van or whatever it was he was driving. And he would say, I'll be back in five, bud. It was always five. It was always five. I'll be back in five. I mean, OK, you know, he, he would take the keys, he would lock everything and he'd leave me in there. And it wasn't like a hot day. I wasn't dying from heat or anything like none of that. It wasn't nearly as severe as, you know, people are beginning to probably get an idea. Yeah. But it was OK. I'll be back in five minutes. Just hang tight. And now I've always been somewhat of a mischievous child, but I never got into any trouble when it was these little situations. I just sat there and was a good little boy and waited. And sometimes it'd be five minutes, sometimes it'd be ten, uh, fifteen minutes, three hours, whatever. whatever. Three hours. No, never that long because I always made it uh, a point of mine. After about 20 minutes, I would uh, leave the vehicle and I would go into the same door that I watched him go in. Oh, and, I, and I would go find him. And there was many cases where uh, we were at the old Beaver Hotel that that happened I mean, I don't really remember seeing anything that was inappropriate trouble or inappropriate or. Yeah, exactly. It, it was just me going to find him and saying, all right, we got to go. Right. Hey, you dad, know? I've and been in the van a long time. Sorry, I got caught up there and we'd be on our way. OK, no big deal. But that was a, that was commonplace. That was all the time. That was a thing that was on the regular. Yeah, I remember he would take us to the park and leave the three of us there for I don't know how long and say, just just play. I, I'll be right back. And he'd be gone forever. <laughs> oh, amazing, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Good times. Good. Good childhood memories there. Yeah. And of course, uh, the, the big one was the Trout Lake story. And I'll get this out of the way. I've I've said this and I've told many people this one. This is uh, but this is one of those stories that really just makes you say, God damn son you know and it really goes to show i guess how maybe how much common sense i may have had or some survivor instincts because i was maybe four years old at the time mm -hmm. and maybe five at the most so it was middle of winter and uh he had uh, canon had agreed to take me for the weekend or the night or something and mom basically gave him the chance and said all right you know you have you can take him for the night or whatever it was well he, you, were, I, you were his son exactly and i wanted to go with him obviously he was my dad right and so oh so we went and uh, we ended up going out to trout lake which is what half hour outside of town Pretty much. and yeah not even and he had a old campsite there that was burned to the ground and it's so many so many stories that are just ridiculous but i don't remember much of the travel there now i was under the understanding that we were going to be staying at his mom's place mary's mm -hmm. 
uh, on fourth line. That's right. But somehow we ended up out at Trout Lake, and okay. Now, basically, I think from just the trauma of this night leading up to everything, I don't really remember. But the what I remember in particular was we somehow got to the – well, the lake was frozen, So, but basically where the shore of the beach was. Mm-hmm. And I, in my very wet snowsuit, am sitting on a snow machine, and it's probably 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night. Could have been later. I don't know. I don't remember. And he had uh, his dog, Bo, sitting there with me for protection. Uh, and he was gone. And he was gone. He said, oh, yeah, you just uh, you just sit right here. I'll be back uh, in a little bit there, bud. And uh, Bo will protect you. You know, it'll be all good. And then I'm like, OK, whatever. This sucks. It's cold out. It's like wet, rainy snow. Like it was miserable. So I'm sitting there, sitting there, sitting there, soaking wet, cold, freezing. The dog is sitting there, not really doing anything. He's in the bar. Because they had a bar. Nice. And uh, so he was in there getting hammered. What do you do? Well, I did what any four-year-old that was frozen to death would do. Basically started just sitting there crying. So I walked inside the bar because I was like, okay, enough of this shit. I want to go home. (laughs) So I remember walking into the bar. My glasses immediately fogging up and I can't see nothing. Surrounded by all these older people it was loud obviously they had music playing it was just it was just a and it was a really smoky scene too right because you could smoke in the bar back then exactly and uh so anyways i'm walking around and all these people are looking at me like what the frig is going on here who's this kid and i'm like has anyone seen my dad and i'm freaking out so i find him I tell him, okay, like, hello, I want to go home. And he gets mad at both that because he's having a good time. Never mind the fact that I'm frozen outside. Right. Um, so we we leave. He's cursing the entire time. We hop in his truck, and his, uh, his buddy Roger was with us. And so we start trucking down uh, Trout Lake Road towards the highway. And... All I can remember is it's a bumpy ride. It's scary. It's dark. He's driving, going maybe maybe it wasn't as fast as I thought, but it, it seemed really fast for the time. And he's swearing at me because this is my fault. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and I I I was like I I don't know what I did wrong. Like, uh, <laughs> hello. Meanwhile, his buddy is Roger is climbing out of the side window of the truck and climbing into the back cab of the truck. He he's grabbing a case of beer and he's bringing it back in through the window. Well, that's a good idea. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh Cannon is still driving and more beer comes into the vehicle and he's drinking beer and they're drinking beer and driving and so anyways, we end up surviving when like there there was no crash thank god Mm -hmm. could have been all over before it even got started um but we get back to his mom's place and i'm soaked and i think i i don't think i was there for a little longer but i'm pretty sure i ended up going back to mom's later that night 
like, and that was pretty much the end of it. I never went with him anywhere after that for quite a long time, right. other than the, the movies or something like that, right? Yeah. But that pretty much put the kibosh on any father-son uh, Ex- excursions. Yeah. yeah, and like I can still remember it. Like it was yesterday, clear as day. One of those things that it's seared into very... your memory. Yeah, exactly. Because it's traumatic. It is very traumatic, and you and you could have died on either the uh, were you on a skidoo in the in the uh, in the yard or in the yeah park? I was yeah I, I was sitting on a snow machine in the winter in the it wasn't winter. running obviously but I was that was my seat right because we took the snow machine I guess from like I don't even remember what happened to the snow machine I don't remember what happened to the dog like it, <laughs> the dog didn't come with us. The snow machine didn't come with us. I I don't know what happened to all these things. Like it was so maybe weird. they were maybe they were in the back of the truck. Who knows? Oh maybe yeah. I don't know. That's that's not an important part of the detail of the story for you because what you remember is almost dying either outside or while he was drinking and driving. Yeah exactly. It was okay. either gonna die from hypothermia or I was gonna die from a car accident. Well the the good news and I can tell you this for a fact is that you survived that night. This is true. Uh, this is proof. Hello. Hi. How are you? There you go. Yeah. So that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. And you, and you never went with him again until you were nope. much older. Until I was, yeah, much older. And it, the visits were basically to Mary's house or wherever he was living at the time. They were very limited visits. It was never for, like, overnights. I think one one time I went after that that was some years later and it was nowhere near as traumatic but everything was fine it was a terrible sleep though because i didn't like sleeping at that place i don't think i had my red brick pillow with me and um right the red brick pillow it was just yeah no it was just yeah i like we went to the movies you know he would take me to the movies and that was uh that was about it really I, I do remember all three of us and him. He did take us to see No Holds Barred when that came out. I do remember that as well. And that was in 1986, the same year I was born. Is when that movie out? Really? No. Yeah, look it up. No Holds Barred came out in 1986, maybe 1987. Um, but we went to The Princess to see it. Yes, it was. Uh, yeah, I can't even remember what theater that would have been because... I think it was the too. princess on Gore Street because at the time they played movies. Uh, I remember weird. that was that's like probably my earliest memory that I have is just being inside the theater watching No Holds Barred. No Holds Barred uh, original theatrical trailer 1989. Oh okay, was it a little okay, maybe all so right. You were 3. I was 3. Okay, that I I swear to god I thought it came out earlier than that. But okay. Now we know. Now we know. And knowing is half the battle. All right, but and, I remember that, so there's that. that. There is that. That's good. that's <laughs> right. So that's good. So what did we learn from all these traumatic experiences? How not to be a father. <laughs> right. Yeah. We we uh, we had some pretty good examples growing up of how not to be a dad. Yeah. Exactly. It it it's really it's it's one of those things where you try to look back, like our our uh, our role models, our male role model types were very far and few in between. I, I believe my entire life has been spent searching for a male role model. <laughs> well, and, and I'm not even joking. 
No, I, I believe it. I mean, I, I've never really been searching for that for myself, but I mean, I, we never got that, you know, let's go out and play catch, son. You know, let's go and do this or do that. Like, okay, we went fishing a couple of times, uh, you know, out at Trout Lake. Uh, right. We went swimming. We went boating. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't very much at well, all. It well, wasn't. He, he used to force me and Curtis to play catch with the football with him. Okay. Well, see, he would force you to play, and I enjoyed throwing the football. So, I mean. Yeah, see, that's that's the difference. If if he would have asked us instead of ordering us to do things, it might have been different. Yeah. But I can trace my hatred of sports right back to your father. So there we go. Well, there it is. Look at that. I, uh, I, I can remember sitting down and watching many, many football games with him, and that's probably where my love of football came from. Uh, see, that's where my hatred of football comes from, because I would be watching the show, he would come home, and his presence would occupy the entire space, and he would take the remote from me, and didn't matter what I was watching, on would go the football. Well, it'd be, it was probably Star Trek, let's not, let's not lie here. Uh, it might have been, it might have been something else, it doesn't matter what it was, <laughs> he, he would uh, just take over. Yeah, I, I can, I can understand that. I mean... I never really see. I never got that, obviously. But I, I would get. Oh, we're gonna uh, watch the football game here, and we'll make some chips and have some dip and whatever. And, and I'd be like, okay, chips and dip, cool. So that was like a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, my love of professional wrestling also came from him because he was into wrestling, watched wrestling, whatever. Yeah. And uh, had a brief stint as a manager named the Cannon. I think yeah. yes that's yeah. quite true yes <laughs> so I mean all of that those little things came from him and then uh you know he got me all those rubber wrestlers and you know all that stuff and, well I don't know if it was him and mom that got I don't know I don't remember I just remember I had them and then I remember uh for some reason our mom decided wrestling was no good for me and packed up all my wrestling stuff and <laughs> right. basically banned any wrestling watching in the house and that went for quite a few years and then i would catch like the random saturday morning show and then you know a little bit middle 90s i got into it again Mm -hmm. and then well obviously i've been on that path ever since but yeah all those things can be traced back to to my father and uh this this is one of those silliest silliest things is he would teach me how to do what was called the fancy kick. I don't know this. Oh, you don't know this one? No. I remember he would make me practice for the longest time, and he would show me the example, and he would say, this is the fancy kick, he would say. And it was literally a roundhouse kick. Ah, okay. (laughs) It was a roundhouse kick, but he gave it the name the fancy kick. That sounds like something he would say. Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't know why it was called the fancy kick but it stuck with me for a while actually you know and what? so i would practice doing my roundhouse kicks right and i thought it was a pretty sweet move not mm-hmm. gonna lie i'm gonna hit you with the fancy kick bud uh th- that sounds like something mom would have christened it as uh yeah maybe that's how mom talked yes so yeah. and then he would have picked it up from her <laughs> and then you would have picked it up yeah, and I don't even know why he picked it up. It wasn't like he was into karate or, you know, uh, martial arts or anything. Mm. He was 
you know. Uh, he, he was a 300-pound, jobless, tattooed loser, <laughs> if we're going to be honest here. Yeah, if we're going to be honest, absolutely. It was it was the fancy kick. It was this. It was that, you know. And just, just these silly little things. And obviously me being the young, impressionable mind that I was, uh, well, okay, my dad's teaching me something here. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. I remember, and this is another, and we could throw this into the traumatic childhood experiences too, with canon as well. I mean, there, there, there's a lot here, and there, there uh, is. It, it, this could be a series of episodes. It really could, and I don't. I, I you probably remember this. Do you remember when he beat the crap out of that, uh, let's say, mentally challenged individual in the football field at White Pines? I have no recollection of these events. Okay, well, I didn't know at the time that there was this mentally not-with-it individual roaming around the apartments. Okay. Supposedly, this guy was putting snakes in Cannon's truck or the van or whatever, but, like, putting snakes in, like, the hood or, like, in the engine or something. That was the story. That's what I remember hearing. Okay. That sounds legit. Yes. And whether it was rubber snakes or real snakes... I couldn't even tell you, but all I, all I remember is one day we're sitting in the, in the apartment and he sees this guy slithering around his vehicle outside in the parking lot. And he goes, Oh, that's him. That's it. He's going to get it. So he <laughs> rushes outside and chases this guy down into like across the way into near the football field at white pines. So I'm running out there. Mom runs out there. Maybe Curtis was there. I don't remember. I'd have to ask him. And it became this thing. And so I think it was the only fight Cannon ever really won. Let's let's not lie. <laughs> yeah. But uh, <laughs> he went after this guy. And I remember like, oh, my God, yay, my dad's going to beat the crap out of someone for screwing around. Like, I had no idea, right? I was mm-hmm. six, five, four, you know, whatever. whatever. Like, yeah. I was young. Yeah. So I'm running out there. And I remember seeing Cannon just getting on top of this guy and just feeding the fists to him hmm. and mom being the protector that she was no oh, no robbie you can't watch this and she puts her hands over my eyes and trying to shield me from watching it i mean understandably so but i'm all jacked i'm like oh no no you gotta let me watch it was over before it like even happened it, it was quick it wasn't a big long drawn out thing it was done pretty quick but I mean, it was was just the things that really gives you the idea of who he was and how he was, right? I I don't have any recollection of these events. Where was I during our childhood? Um, Watching Star Trek or (laughs) over at Andrews. I don't know. Yeah, you know what? (laughs) I was probably glued to the TV and didn't even know what was happening. You spent a lot of time in your room. I I did, building model kits and watching Star Trek. So you, you, you didn't really... yeah. You you weren't uh, you weren't in the know with all the happening so much, right? So. Apparently not. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know where you were, or what you were doing. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, those are those are the big moments that I can really remember in those first, gosh, I don't know, five to six years of my life that are really those things that still haunt you. Not I, they don't haunt me, and I think I'm over it. But it's just those things that. They're always there, right? And so now I'm a father, and I'm a father of two. Obviously, I can't really model myself on how to be a dad. 
but I know what not to do. <laughs> like, <laughs> there, there you go. That's yeah. You had a pretty I good example. I think that's the starting point. It is uh, where you gotta go. It's you know. I know what not to do. I know what's right. I know what's wrong. Uh, that's, that's I try to use the same disciplinary actions that I received as a child, just not to the ex- super extremes. You know, no wooden cooking spoons across the bum or anything, but groundings and you know uh structure and all that structure is important we didn't necessarily have a lot of that no we really kind of didn't but i mean what do you what it's oh god just thinking about our childhood hurts my brain uh agreed and how did we how did we turn out so well Well, or have we i don't know that's up for debate i i think we leave that one up to the listeners and whether we've turned out well or not mm-hmm. i mean i think we're doing pretty good but we're trying yeah yeah we do, we're trying. We do the best with, that we can yeah exactly any uh any other uh topics that you wanted to bring up um no i don't have any other particular ones that i can think of for myself what do you uh what do you have for any particular moments of trauma oh well you know the ones that we mentioned and, and the time that uh he beat me up when i burnt the peas oh uh, yeah yep so that was pretty bad yeah just being abandoned in, in in the vehicles uh being kicked out of the house being forced to do things i didn't want to do you know that that kind of thing just general, okay yeah, yeah so general stuff yeah okay so yeah where yours was a little bit more i, I would say inconvenient for you mm-hmm were where mine were more life or death right of course and because there, he was your biological father there'd, there'd be yeah. more that way for sure yeah there was definitely a yeah a, a balance of good and evil that had been oof yeah like it, it, it's so hard to just wrap it all wrap it all around my mind um i remember one time he was he was in the bathroom and he was uh he was going number two, and he had hollered over to me to bring him the spray so he could freshen up the smell in the bathroom. Okay. And so I walked over, and, and I grabbed the bat and I grabbed the spray and went into the bathroom with it. And for some reason or another, I didn't hand him the spray. I decided I was going to spray it for him. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. But instead of spraying it up in the air, and in, or instead of in spraying it, you know, around, I basically gave it a direct shot right to his face. All that air freshener, wham! Uh, I yeah. could just imagine his reaction. Oh, it was not. It was not a good one. I quickly ran away. Uh, uh, good move. Good move. Ran out of the bathroom, down the hallway, all the way to the door to the apartment was. There was a closet beside it, if you remember. Mm-hmm. And I opened that closet and threw myself in there and sat down and basically started rocking back and forth, knowing I was about to die. <laughs> right. And all as I remember him he- hearing him say was, Harley, get your arse over here. Because my middle name being Harley, that's basically, and that's all he called me was I was Harley. Uh, yeah, that's you know? right. Yeah. So he said, yeah, he hollered for that, and then I, in a stuttery, teary-eyed voice, but I don't want to get my arse over there. <laughs> nice. Oh uh, boy. Yeah. Uh, good times. 
Oh, absolutely. All right. And I think this is where we will leave it. Uh, we could go on and on and maybe we'll have a have another round of conversations where we do talk about more traumatic childhood memories. Or maybe we'll talk about some positive ones for a change. I don't really have any positive ones. So uh, this is the part of the show where we tell listeners where they can get a hold of us and all of that good stuff. Oh, thank you. That's right. Yes. Uh, well, I do uh, indeed co-host the Space Jam podcast. A new episode comes out every Sunday. You can find us on Twitter at the Space Jam podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Robin Wild or follow me on Instagram at DC Wild. Very good. And of course... All my contact information can be found at the end credits after I wrap up the episode. So once again, listeners, thanks for coming by the Soul Forge. Thanks for listening. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for telling all your friends about the links. And remember, you will never reach your destination if you stop and throw stones at every dog that barks. This has been another episode of the Soul Forge podcast. Contact the show by emailing soulforgepodcast at gmail.com or by tweeting soulforgepod on Twitter. Visit us at soulforgepodcast.com and remember the best way to show your support is by leaving a five-star review in the iTunes store. And if you would, please check us out and like us on Facebook. The Soulforge Podcast was written, produced, scored, edited, engineered, and directed by Sean Vanderloo. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at Darth Vaderloo. For more great content, you can listen to my other podcast, The Rusted Robot. Thanks for stopping by the forge. We'll keep the fires lit until your next visit. I could do this all day. This has been a Valley of Vanderloo podcast production, all rights reserved. This transmission ends now. <laughs>